Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times at a location near you, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. Uh, Mark chapter 10. I'm going to continue on just, we've been in this focus on family, marriage, relationships, and uh, hopefully today we can help some single people. Now, if you're married here and you say, why are you going to talk to single people? What's that have to do with me? Well, you have all these singles that sit through all your marriage sermons and they don't complain (laughs) and they find a way to pull something out of it for their future. And I believe that God can speak to you through this as well, because I do think it crosses over into uh, those of us who are um, into our relationships. Mark chapter 10 and verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined, everybody say joined, together, let no one separate. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. I want to give you five keys before you say I do. These are five must-haves before you say I do. The key to that verse is what God has joined, what God has joined. In Matthew chapter one, verse six, you have the genealogy of Jesus. And in the genealogy, it's listing so-and-so begat so-and-so, and it gets to King David, whose son was Solomon. And then it mentions Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. So we would know that after David killed Uriah, he married Bathsheba, but yet 2,000 years later, when the author of the New Testament is being breathed on by the Holy Spirit to talk about who Bathsheba's husband is, God passes by King David and still makes it clear was the wife of Uriah which means you can have a marriage on earth that is not recognized in heaven. What God has joined, not a legal document, not a ceremony. Did you do it God's way? Did you do it according to God's word? Well, that's old school. Well, what source of authority are you coming from? The way I feel or the current trend? Well, I'm just going to help you out real quick. You can go back through the scripture and all those same trends, all those same cultural phenomenons have all been around forever, all the same emotional feelings, and they all ended the same way in some level of failure and some level of, of, of hurting the future generations. And so what God has joined, what has God joined together? If you were to do an autopsy on the marriages that have ended in divorce, and the death of those marriages. Not in all cases, but in most cases, what you would see is a relationship that God didn't join together. Lust joined it, control, manipulation, deception, some other type of thing, some other type of need, some other type of unmet expectation where we thought we could get that from someone else was pursued, and that joined it together, but God was not present in the joining. And so I want to discuss with you 
what you do, not after you say I do, but what are some things you should do before you say I do. And so it is going to get uncomfortable if it's not already. Because most of us are, even if we're single, we're looking or we're we're maybe even kind of in a, a dating relationship or we're curious about someone or maybe we're coming out of a date, dating relationship. And so you probably know that your relationships are about to be put under a microscope during this message and they're probably going to be tested. And so whether you want to look at it today or not, whether you like this or not, or whether you're going to be comfortable with what I'm saying, at some point the relationship will be put under the microscope, whether it's in this service or in your future. The tests are going to come. Kids are going to come. Financial problems are going to come. Uh, the undealt with issues in your past are going to find a way to come back up to the surface or you're going to make it through all kinds of things, push it all the way down and get all the way to the empty nester phase, then the microscope's gonna come out and then the relationship is going to be tested. So I would rather you be uncomfortable today than face painful failure in the future. And so real clear up front, let's be as, as point blank as we can be when you choose to spend the rest of your life with another person, that is a big deal. Outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ, because that's the relationship that doesn't just last in this life, but it determines where you'll spend eternity. Outside of that relationship, the most important relationship choice you will ever make will be who your husband or who your wife will be. It does not get any more important than that. And so let's go through five must-haves, five must-haves before you say I do. Number one is chemistry. Where something beyond you is beginning to happen. There's a spark. There's just, there's a drawing to that person. And it's important that you have chemistry. It's important that you have a spark. However, it is first not because it's most important in this sermon. It's first because it's least important. Most of our regrets come because you overvalue chemistry. So it's the first thing, but it's not the whole thing. You can have chemistry with a lot of people every single day. Every single day you can have chemistry with somebody. Matter of fact, you can have chemistry with multiple people in the same day. So chemistry is important, but it's not the most important. You wanna have physical attraction. You wanna have a mutual interest. You wanna have some type of intellectual stimulation. But be aware that God is not the only chemist. He created the elements. He created the molecules. He did all of that. But the devil has a chemistry set too. How many of y'all remember, remember the chemistry sets growing up? Anybody besides me ever have a chemistry set? And for a little bit, you'll put this little thing and this little thing together in the little test tubes and you put the little flame on and you'll ooh and you'll ah and it'll be awesome. But you hear all kinds of nightmare stories about before you know it, something blew up in some kid's face, right? Because they underestimated just because there's chemistry, just because there's a wow, just because there's a whoa, just because it's impressive. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, the devil can make that thing blow up in your face. So chemistry is important. You must have chemistry, but you must have more than chemistry. 
Number two, you must have connection. It's a draw into something deeper. This is when I like what I see through their eyes. It's when they like what they see when they look through my eyes. Connection is I like who I am when I'm in their presence and I like who I am when I leave their presence. Because in every relationship, there is some level of exchange. And sometimes we find ourselves connected to people we would never want to be. So no matter how powerful a connection is, you have to still evaluate, is that connection heaven sent or is it hell sent? Because I might want to be one thing and they want to be the opposite of that thing in character and nature and dreams and the approach to life. And what happens when I connect with someone that wants the opposite of what I want in life, they become poison to my destiny and my future and then I get into the relationship and wonder how did I possibly get here it's because you wanted chemistry chemistry was strong all the fireworks were there but you did not have something deeper in connection so you must have chemistry but you must have more than chemistry you must have connection think about your connection stories in your life how you met someone where you met them what the connection was like. Think about the beginning of that. Now look out from that moment who the circles were, who the people were around that, who your friends were, what the environment was. Because one of the things I taught my girls growing up is the most important thing you can do if you have chemistry, if you feel a spark with somebody, is to look at their social circles, who they hang out with, what their friends are like, how do they connect with the same sex? How do they connect with the opposite sex? And you can learn a lot about a person by watching their social circles, who they're drawn to, where they're drawn to. And then even inside of social circles, healthy social circles usually have some type of leadership, usually have some type of authority, usually have some type of influence. And now you can look at that person, not only how do they relate to their peers, but how do they relate to authority? How do they relate to healthy leadership? Because if the person is resistant to connecting with healthy people in a social circle, in other words, they're constantly pushing back, constantly creating problems, constantly creating issues, always finding the negative, always finding the bad, always trying to pull apart, always trying to create strife, and then they do that with leadership as well, eventually you're going to get with that person and they're going to do the same thing to you, and then they're going to sow those seeds of strife and contention and easily being offended in the heart of their children. So I taught my kids, listen, watch their social circles and watch how they respond to leadership. If they're always pushing back on accountability, if they're always pushing back on awareness of themselves and awareness of what's going on around them, in other words, if they think the world orbits around them and they don't care who they destroy around them, that is a sign of someone you should be cautious if you really want to take the next step. You might have all the chemistry in the world, but connection matters as well. Number three is wholeness. The Bible here said, let no man separate. Remember the biblical account of the 10 lepers. Jesus, he heals them. He says, go show yourself to the priest. And then the one returns and says, thank you. 
And Jesus says, where's the other nine? He says, I don't know. And Jesus says to him, your faith has made you whole. So a very consistent interpretation of that text is there's a difference between being healed and being made whole. So we see here that there are nine who are looking to fix their problems, nine who wanted uh, this God thing so they could, you know, maybe heal from a particular issue in their life, maybe, maybe be restored of some type of infirmity in their life. But there was one who had to separate from the whole group because the nine, though they got healed, were never made whole. They never pursued something greater than just physical healing. They were never made whole, body, soul, and spirit. And because they were not healthy, he had to separate from the unhealthy to be made whole. So what you'll find is the healthier you are, the more unhealthy people will pull away from you. Because what does health look like? I have boundaries. I have standards. I have convictions. I know who I am, whether you're in my life or not. And so when you get healthy, it's very difficult to connect because a lot of people, many times the majority, let's say 90% of people are approaching life even with God in unhealthy ways. And so it's going to be lonely right? The one is what it says. The one got with God. He just said, man, listen, I don't know about people, but I'm going to get with God and do what I can do to be healthy. This is where you say my private battles matter. My private victories matter. Getting wholeness in my own heart is important whether I'm accepted by the group or not. But what we do is we look for affirmation by are the dominant people cheering us on? Who are, who's our little circle? And I pastored for a long time and it's as clear as clear as today. If there's someone unhealthy over here and there's someone unhealthy over here, they don't even have to know each other. Give them a few weeks in church and they just find each other. Because like attracts like. Spirit attracts spirit. Birds of the same feather flock together. It's a magnet. So if you're going to be healthy, you're going to have to learn that most of the time, all the unhealthy people that are saying the whole world's on a fire are just in their own little dumpster fire. And every now and then, you just got to take out the trash and make a decision. Listen, I can't pay no attention to that. I'm on a path of gratefulness and I desire wholeness in my life because if you're in a relationship with someone who isn't whole or healthy and you desire to be in your effort to be healthy, they will feel like you're pulling away from them. And the truth is you becoming healthy is not only the best thing for you, it's the best thing for them and it's the best thing for the relationship. So both people need a sense of being drawn to wanting to get healthy. And if you don't get it before you get married, trust me, you're going to have to get it after. And I'm talking from experience. You say, well, if you did it, I can do it. You can do it however you want to do it. I'm saying if you'll do some things up front to get healthy, to get whole 
whole and the other person that you're desiring gets healthy and whole, then it's a whole lot easier to get healthy and whole on your own than it is to try to fight through it when you're in a marriage and you got kids and you got bills and all the accounts are tied together and all, all this stuff is intertwined. It's a whole lot harder then than it is before. So you have to make the decision. I'm not going to discount who I am to make you feel better about the areas you're being cheap. If you're single, you need to look at the crowd around you and realize there's no cheap or easy way to become whole. It will cost you. There is a price to it. And you got to look at the people who don't desire that and be clear. If you want cheap and easy, you're not going to find it here. You're going to have to find it somewhere else because I see greatness in my future. I see a, a desire for God to do big things in my future and I'm willing to pay the price for it. I want to know, are you willing to pay the price for it? I really was going to talk through this sermon. I don't know why I'm screaming through it. <laughs> so wholeness comes after connection for a reason. Connection has to be qualified. Because many times what we call love isn't love. It's codependency masquerading as love. It's not love I need from another person something I didn't get in my childhood. It's like an incomplete circle I'm hoping to complete. And because I couldn't resolve, it's like being in the middle of the movie during the part that, that nothing's resolved or, or maybe everything's full of fear or everything's full of pain and you just turn the movie off. There's just something about it that was never resolved. And what codependency does is it says, I wasn't able to save or fix a situation in my childhood. So now as I get older, I start looking for that in someone else, how I can save and fix them. That's not love. That's codependency. And I'm not here to be a psychologist or a counselor, but I have learned you can't ignore pain. You can act like it's not there, just like you can act like there's not the drum set behind me. Look at me, not the drum set. Now for about the next two minutes of my sermon, you know what you're going to be thinking about? The drum set. Because pain has a way of drawing your focus into it. And so the pre-marriage litmus test is, can I say with sincerity, I'm good all by myself? Is what's drawing me to this person godly and healthy? Or is it the brokenness that somewhere along life's road was created and now there's this big vacuum I'm trying to fill with this person or that person. So you get to this place where you say, I need to be made whole. I need wholeness. If I never find Mr. Right, if I never meet my soulmate, if lightning never strikes in my life, if I never find my Romeo or my Juliet, me and Jesus are good. I hope to find someone. I like to find someone. 
However, I'm not defined by a label called marriage. I'm good all by myself. This is why the Bible says the most important relationship is first vertical. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you can love your neighbor, those closest to you, as you love yourself. But the vertical is first. And once you connect vertically with God, you start to learn how to love yourself, appreciate yourself, care for yourself. And out of that, there's an overflow. You can love other people. And so when you come to God and you say, you healed me, you mended me, you took the broken pieces of my life and you put them back together and you made me whole. God, why did you do that? You didn't do that so I could forsake that and go looking for someone else to complete me. No, I'm complete and whole in who I am and you. And now when I go out looking for people in life, it's not to complete me. It's so I can compliment them and they can compliment me. They can add that little extra cherry on top to my life and I can add the extra cherry on top to their life. They're not the meat and potatoes. That's my relationship with God. That's where I get health. That's where I get nurtured. That's where I get strong. And out of that, I get it in someone else. Number four, divine confirmation. This is where God endorses your relationship. The word join means caused to be one. Notice the wording, therefore, or one translation says, if God joins together, if, which means someone or something else might be causing the joining, if, if God can bring someone together with another person, God can appoint that relationship, God can anoint that relationship, but you have to know there's also other things that could be bringing the joining. And if you break this major law of divine confirmation, you'll learn that you can be joined to somebody, but it is illegal. It is, it is not endorsed by God. Can you survive if you break the law of divine confirmation? Yes. Can you thrive? No. You have to seek God. You have to believe that heaven's going to back it up. And you have to ask yourself a bigger question if you're single, why would you ever want someone who God did not bring into your life and join you with in the first place? So you have to ask yourself, is this person someone that God has brought into my life? I like to watch mafia movies. And I don't know why I think if I would have never gotten saved, I probably would have been an organized crime. I just love it. That's all I want to do. It just infatuates me. There's a sense of order. There's a sense of justice somehow in it. There's a sense of loyalty. I don't know. It just gets me going. I just like it. And in almost every mafia movie I've ever watched, at some point there's an assassin. And when the assassin attempts are spoiled and they take him down into a basement right with a little light bulb and they duct tape him to the chair what's the question they ask him who sent you I'm not telling I'm not telling nothing you do to me it's going to make me tell. And then out of the shadows, there comes this real spooky, eerie, weird, I don't know, with a guy with a toolbox. 
And he starts pulling out the pliers, the wire cutters. Oh, you're talking. I'm not talking. Grab your finger, stick those pliers in and grab a molar. Doesn't take very long before the person starts saying, who sent them? And this is the point. You want to know who the sender is. Is God the sender? Or is the devil the sender? Why? I've said this next phrase more than any other phrase I've probably ever said in pastoring all these years. The reason you want to know who the sender is, is because if the devil wants to destroy your life, he sends a person. If God wants to bless your life, he sends a person. So divine confirmation, divine confirmation is God the sender. And this is tricky because we want something so bad many times that we're willing to create and manufacture divine confirmation because that's the thing that shuts everybody up. God told me to do this. So what do you want to do? If you're in a relationship and it's beginning to get serious, find a peaceful place. Maybe it'll be hours. Maybe it'll be days if you can make that happen. It's just you, a journal, a Bible, maybe some worship music, maybe a peaceful place that brings you a sense of who you are. And in that place, you'll find a moment of peace and ask God at that moment, did you send this person? I'm not saying the person is evil. I'm not saying the person is bad. I'm saying you want to know, did God send them? And the reason this is so difficult is because sometimes there's so much emotion in it that it hinders what God is trying to say to us. So we have to pull away, find a peaceful place and hear from God. And this is my promise to you. God is not greedy with confirmation. He will let you know. But he's not going to stop you from pushing through 18,000 stop signs and a trillion red flags because you want to force something. And you say, but it's taken too long. It's taken too long. Everybody else has got it. Everybody else is moving forward. Hey, listen, we're talking about your whole life and slow is fast when it comes to the most important decisions. Number five, you must have a sense of purpose. Do you have the same heart for God? Do you desire the same things when it comes to the things of God in your life? Because what God has called you to is more important than who you are in relationship with. On earth, you've been placed here for a purpose. That purpose is to take your time, take your talents, take your strengths, take your gifts, and in all your relationships and all of your actings and all your comings and all of your goings, you're here on purpose to make a difference in this world. And that purpose is what God created you for. You were created by God with a purpose. Might that purpose include a relationship? Absolutely. Is that relationship your purpose? No. Your life purpose is greater than any relationship. If not, then that person leaves you, you lose your purpose. 
You lose that person, you have a loss of purpose. So my purpose must be greater than any relationship in my life. Five must-haves before you say I do. Five principles. Usually moments like this, you have those who are single because they've gone through a divorce of some type and they feel guilt and they feel shame. You'll have singles who are here who start to think, I'm in a relationship, but I don't really have wholeness. I don't really have divine confirmation and I don't know exactly what to do. It's coming to a place where you realize people are not designed to complete you. God completes you. Come on. And sometimes that unsettled feeling in your life is because you, you still haven't got there. Now this sermon preaches easy, right? I'm not talking about you're perfect in all of these areas. Do I have any married people in here that would say, I'm still working on a lot of those areas too? So my hand's raised. But you should desire a pursuit of these things. And if you can't find them on your own, you find them in small groups around relationships. You can find them in maybe getting counseling with somebody. You can take steps to start answering the questions because the only thing worse than it not making it now, because you didn't do your due diligence, you didn't really think through it, is the heartbreak that you can cause later. I love the Bible verse in Malachi that this is what it says, that the reason God hates divorce, which you wanna know what divorce means, it means to defect. Like a person that's gone to war and in the heat of the battle, they defect, they go AWOL. They leave the people that they're responsible for. If you're divorced, I understand there are real reasons for it. There's no shame. There's no shame. I'm not here to shame you. You do the best you can in that situation. But what I'm here to say is the reason God said he hates it is because he wants a godly seed. And the problem is many times we sacrifice our legacy and future generations because we think right now it's too hard to do the hard work. It's just too difficult, it's too much. I, I, I don't have what it takes. But if you'll take some time now, get some divine confirmation, get connected and coordinated with your purpose, Really begin to seek the Lord about it. Really begin to ask God because it's not just about you and this person now. It's about when you get in the heat of the battle because the battles are going to come. The heartbreaks are going to come. The disappointments are going to come. Uh, the, the, the things where you get to this place, I don't know if I can make it. They're going to show up. And at that point, if you didn't do the work now, the probability of defecting is very, very high and you leave the next generation vulnerable. And then we raise a whole nother generation that has no confidence or trust in the family. And they go look to find their security, their identity in some cultural trend because there's such a wound in the family. 
And our job as pastors is to give you the whole counsel of God and say, if you're going to go into a relationship, it is the most outside of your relationship with God. It is the most important decision you'll ever make. So make it with wisdom. Ask God to endorse it. Look for God inside of it and don't sell yourself short. God has the person that he wants to join you together with in Jesus name, in Jesus name. I want every eye closed, every head bowed at all of our campuses. I'm going to invite right now the singles to stand up to their feet at every location. If you're, if you're single, maybe, you, maybe you're a widow, uh, you've lost a loved one. You're in a unique place. I get it. Uh, maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you're a young person or teenagers. You're single. And I want us to pray for them. Can I get some married people to pray for those who are in the decision time, asking God to show them who that person is? If you're single, I want you to put your hand on your heart. The Bible says it's not good for us to be alone or all one. So people rush into relationships because they think that that's what I'm supposed to do. No, you're supposed to rush into being the one that goes back and prioritizes your relationship with God. That's, that's what you pursue. And on that road, the hope is that somebody else is doing the same thing. Prioritizing him, pursuing him with their life, going after the purpose of God. Because if they're a fraction of a person and you're a fraction of a person, you don't make one. You get whole, you get complete, as much as you are able to, not perfect, but as much as you are able to. And trust and pray that God is healing and making them whole. And in his divine timing, let him confirm through peace, the peace of God will rule and reign in your heart in Jesus' name. Now, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, at every campus, We've been in this series on family. We've been in this series on parenting, on relationships. And so, Father, now we pray for those who are moving towards decisions, those who are walking, watching online, those who are not even in this service. We lift them up to you. And we're asking for wisdom in Jesus' name. Father, that you bring the right people into their life and you keep the wrong people out. And Father, if there's anything in their life from early on that somehow would allow there to be an unhealthy drawing because they're looking to fill a vacuum from something that was broken in their upbringing, today, God, we ask that you begin to heal that heart. Your word says, that Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. In other words, go, go to the house of God. Let the word begin to be spoken over your life. Let God's truth begin to be spoken over your life. So that you may be healed. 
And now I want you to begin to thank God that even though you're in a single place, maybe even a lonely place, that you're willing to be the one that comes back to God and says, I want to be made whole. I'm not just here to find a spouse and I'm not just doing this God stuff so you can bless me and do this and that. I want to be the person that comes back with a grateful heart and even says, thank you, even though I'm just one. Where are the other nine? Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that, Father? In Jesus' name, let us have the courage to be the one who's made whole. And now we pray for that future spouse, if it's your will. For some, it may be that they're single, but for others, you've got someone in mind for them. And so, Father, right now, we begin to pray for that person. We begin to pray with the men in here who are looking for a wife. Your word says when they find a wife, they find a good thing and they obtain favor from the Lord. So if you're a man, just lift your hands right where you're at and ask God for his favor on your life. God, we need divine favor. In Jesus' name. Going after anything that moves is how you lose the favor of God on your life. Get some convictions. You're a man of God now. Quit being childish. Quit, quit being informed through an Instagram video. Quit being informed through some TikTok reel and get your source of truth from God. Give us favor. Now I want all the single women to lift their hands who are in pursuit of a husband, a house band, the one who holds it all together a man of God, a man of, not that's perfect, but a man of integrity. Father, I join with these women and we pray for that future husband. God, we begin to speak the protection of God over him. We begin to ask you to bring him at the right time and we'll trust you for divine confirmation. In Jesus' name. And now can we all stand up to our feet, lift our hands together, and can we just begin to sing this to him, begin to worship him, begin to let him know you love him. I don't feel like God's done in this service, even with married couples. Would you reach over and hold their hand? Would you grab their hand? Let what God has put together, no man separate. God brought you together. God's backing you. Heaven's backing you. You will not defect in Jesus' name. You will not bow out in the heat of the battle. There's too much at stake. There's too much you're fighting for. Get your priorities right in Jesus' name. Ask God to heal the pain. Ask God to heal the heartbreak. Ask God to keep you together. You leave your father and your mother to cleave. The word cleave means super glue. You just 
God glue us together, make us a bond that's unbreakable in Jesus' name. So we can honor you in our life, in our family, in the next generation, in generations from now. Praise God, praise God. Heal our hearts, heal our lives, heal our homes, heal our marriages. Come on, at every campus, can we ask him to heal? Ask him to restore in Jesus' name. marriage right here throw those hands up in worship get your eyes on God get your eyes off of all the reasons it can't work and get your eye on the one who can make anything work in Jesus name this together as a church I know we got to go but I just feel in in this service to pray against that spirit of defecting that spirit of of giving up in the heat of the battle looking for a quick fix an easy way out Can we pray against that spirit of divorce? It will not come to your home. I'm not saying it will not knock. I'm not saying that even sometimes it won't find its way in. But the Bible says, do not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. But Father, let him who is stronger reign in our homes. Let him who is stronger reign in our hearts. In Jesus' name, we rebuke, not by anything we have, but we declare the word of God and the authority and the dominion of God is ours as your children to speak and declare that what the enemy has meant for evil has no authority in our homes, has no authority in our marriages, in our hearts, in Jesus' name. We ask for that spirit of defecting and divorce to be cast out now. Deliver us. Deliver us in Jesus' name. Father, in the same way you just spoke to every demonic spirit that would begin to destroy people's lives, throwing them in the fire, 
throwing them into graveyards to cut themselves chained up lonely. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cast out any demonic spirit that would try to throw us into danger, throw us into destruction, throw us into a place that you have not called us to. You've called us to a place of life and freedom and wholeness and healing. And Father, today we grab a hold of you. We press through the crowd and we touch the hem of your garment and we're trusting that in somehow, some way, wholeness and healing is coming to even the situations that have been there for decades. Many people have been, look for everything else, every other medical uh, counseling, every other type of psychological fix. But Father, today we thank you that people who are reaching up to touch the hem of your garment now can hear your words that they've touched you. And in Jesus' name, their faith is making them whole. Making them whole in Jesus' name. We bless you and we adore you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here and you say, Marcus, I'm not right with God. Jesus is not the Lord of my life. I'm distant from God. I'm doing my own thing. I'm living my own life. I've not put my trust in Christ. I'm not saved. I'm not born again. I've never said, God, I've given up my life and I'm surrendering all to you. You've never said, I repent, which means I'm going to turn a 180. I'm going to stop living for the things I've been living for. And I'm going to live for you. What your word says, what your will is, is now going to be what my pursuit is. If you've never made that turn, you cannot make the turn on your own. You make it one way. The Holy Spirit empowers you through the grace of God to make that change. If you feel today that you're here and you need the grace of God, you need the mercy of God, you need that change. You need God to do a new thing in your life. You want to pass from death to life. That's what this world is. That's all it is, is death. That's what sin is. It's death. That's what the way of this world is. It's death, 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 constantly, constantly, constantly. But if you'll turn towards him by his grace, you can walk into a brand new life. You say, Marcus, would you pray for me? I need a new life. I need that new beginning. I need that new start. On the count of three, throw that hand up as high as you can. One, two, three. You need to get right with God. Lift that hand up as high as you can. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Keep that hand raised. Don't put it back down. Keep it raised. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's all put our hands on our hearts. Let's pray with those who've lifted their hands. God's grace is meeting you right where you're at. It's divine strength and favor and power. So just right where you're at, let's all say this prayer with them. God, we need your grace. And you died on a cross and you rose again from the dead so we could experience forgiveness and mercy. I ask you now to forgive me. I repent. I turn from my old life and I turn towards you. I take the first step and your word promises that just like the prodigal, you come running to meet me. And right now I receive a brand new beginning. You can put the robe on, the ring on my finger, the shoes on, and I'm leaving here today knowing I'm a son or a daughter 
of yours. I give you my life today and I thank you for that new beginning. In Jesus' name, we all said a big amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a good hand clap. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv forward slash DBPM. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church podcast.